for our meditation this afternoon, please turn with me to Romans, the first chapter. I'd like to read a few verses um, that were part of the theme of the father-son camping trip this weekend, and uh, the theme for the weekend was Romans, the first chapter, verse 16. I'll begin uh, instead a little bit uh, sooner than that, Romans 1, beginning at verse 9, and we'll read uh, to verse 17. So Romans, the first chapter, verses 9 to 17. Scripture reads, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that ye may be established." That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'd like to conclude here at verse 17. The Apostle Paul is writing to the believers uh, in Rome and expresses a strong desire to visit them. Up to this point, he had not had the opportunity to visit to them. It says that he was hindered or there were plans that he had made and uh, they had not been able to come to fruition yet. He... Um, something that he was frequently praying about. This was how much it was on his heart because as he was, I believe, on his third missionary journey, as he wrote this letter to them, uh, this was one of the churches he had not yet been able to visit as he confirmed and as he traveled around the various churches to be able to visit them in person and to be able to impart, as he says, some spiritual uh, gift to them. And this is an interesting uh, purpose as the Apostle Paul looks at uh, or, or, or states his purpose for visiting, which is not to get a tour of Rome, though that would have probably been very interesting as a great city, maybe even the greatest city of the of that time, to be able to see all of the wonders of Rome there. Uh, but that's not was not his purpose. He wasn't going there as a tourist, or even just to go visit to meet them and to be able to socialize with them. No, it says in verse 11, For his purpose is that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that he may be established or in order for them to be strengthened, to be able to grow. What would that, what does that look like to be able to impart some spiritual gift? We read in, in, in 1 Corinthians a few additional, um, uh, the Apostle Paul's perspective on some of those things that are spiritual gifts. It says, um, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given every man to profit withal. In other words, the, the Spirit gives everyone these gifts in order to be able to 
um, to grow or to um, to work through us. And then he gives some examples, not an exhaustive list, but an idea it gives you. It says, but there are diversity diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diverse differences of administration, but the same Lord. Then he says, gives a list. He goes, for one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom. Wisdom being the application, real world um, uh knowledge, the application of knowledge to situations that people run into. And so to impart the word of wisdom is to be able to share experiences with others who are potentially going through a difficult time or are facing a challenge that they don't know how to overcome, as an example, as one way of of sharing, as he as he states, imparting to them some spiritual gift. And it says another one is the word of knowledge, that that is um, understanding what the scripture would say, but it's not just the knowledge that's through the scripture because truth, though we find it in the scripture and a lot of it is uh, revealed by inspiration, there is also truth that we learn through life, through nature as God has created nature and, and truth comes in multiple forms. That of understanding um, the body and understanding the 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 um, a person's uh, emotions and the emotional well-being and that of also even even the physical aspects of being able to live successfully in this world. Many of you are are schooled or have much experience in your various careers and how things work and how they don't work. These are all aspects of God's truth that he reveals in multiple ways. And of course, when we're talking about the, the aspect of knowledge, the knowledge that we sometimes learn through other means, uh, we know it's from God if it doesn't contradict the Scripture itself, if it's harmonious with the Scripture. So we have wisdom, we have knowledge, we have uh, Faith, that is someone who is able to believe God and to not stumble at his promises. And especially that's true when, when someone is going through a time of questioning, a time of doubting, a time of difficulty, wondering how is this going to work out? And someone can come alongside and, and encourage them with the gift of faith to say that God uh, can be believed, that his promises are sure, and by demonstrating how God has been faithful in their own life. The gifts of healing. Healing in all of its forms, whether that's physical from the perspective of, of um, being able to... Uh, choose the right things for our own bodies. We are physical beings, even though God has created in us a eternal being, but we are physical beings that in order to receive um, health that requires a certain lifestyle, things that add to our health and things that would detract from that. But healing, of course, even a greater measure of the physical healing, that is of spiritual healing. To be able to be healed of many of the inner turmoil that most of us, if not all of us, have felt from time to time. That of um, doubt, the hurt, being hurt and struggling with forgiveness, um, the 
healing, of, of, of understanding who we are in Christ so that we don't uh, vassal on in a place of indecision, not understanding our worth that God has placed on us. And these gifts of healing come through the same spirit as the Apostle Paul is talking about. And the list goes on and on, and the purpose of the message here isn't to go through the set of spiritual gifts that God imparts to through humanity, through his spirit, but the point that his goal was to impart these spiritual gifts so that they could be strengthened. This is a good example for us to follow as well. When we would go visit another church, of course now it's not nearly as easy with the restrictions that are in place, but the times where we would go to a different church, that we would have this same desire to be able to impart some spiritual gift. Healing, another example of that just came to mind is through our words of affirmation, our words of encouragement, our words of uh, imparting the knowledge and wisdom that we read through the scripture. That that is an example of when we go to another church, <clears throat> certainly if we're ministering in an official capacity, but also even just as a visitor by being able to offer a prayer, by being able to greet the brethren and, and find out what God is doing in their lives and look for ways to encourage and build them up. But probably the most effective way of ministering from a personal standpoint, ministering this imparting these spiritual gifts or ministering to them is doing that through the ministry of hospitality, having people in in our homes and being able to be uh, intentional for not just to have a nice visit, a nice social interaction, but look for ways to go to the next level, a deeper level, to connect on things that really matter. And this was one of the things that I personally appreciated in the father-son camping trip, to be able to connect with other fathers and other sons, that we often don't have the same amount of time to be able to do that in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, to take a day or almost two days aside to be able to do that. And it says in particular in verse 12, it says, by the mutual faith both of you and me. So what he's describing here is not that he is going to come to those that are in Rome and it's going to be a one-way street. That he's just going to be able to minister to them and they're just going to uh, uh, absorb it. But that it's mutual. That it's a combination. That everyone is contributing towards this ability to minister these spiritual gifts because that's how we all become strengthened. We read in later in Romans in chapter 15 some of the reasons he wasn't able to visit those in Rome as he says this in the first chapter that he purposed to come unto them but wasn't able to. 
that uh, he had in mind in chapter 15. He describes how he is planning to go to Jerusalem to be able to minister to the saints there. And he was under this constraint of wanting to do more things that was physically possible for him to do. And he had to prioritize. And so, as we understand, he wrote this book of Romans, these, uh, I believe, 16 chapters that we have, as a means to send to them ahead of time so that they could read it, understand it, so that they could be prepared that when he would finally come to them after he finishes his third missionary journey, goes back to Jerusalem to minister to the saints there, and then eventually travel to Rome on his way to Spain was his plan and what is his desire as described in chapter 15. And so he reflects in verse 14. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians. In other words, he's a debtor to everyone. What does a debtor mean? Somebody who is in debt feels an obligation. It's a stronger word than feeling an obligation. It's a, it's a, um, a strong desire to be able to, uh, pay off in a sense a debt that is owed, an, a, a, a desire to fulfill a promise or fulfill something that was um, somebody feels morally obligated to do. And perhaps the best way to understand this, I am a debtor both to the Greeks, what is he a debtor about? To preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. So he's been doing this through multiple missionary journeys, and he feels this burden to be able to continue to do this to those that are at Rome also. And where does this burden come from, this feeling of being um, in debt to someone else or to everyone, comes from the realization that he had the words of eternal life, the gospel of Christ, as he calls that. Perhaps the uh, most... Uh, the easiest analogy to think of is if someone had something of great value that provided healing and life to someone else. Imagine there was a, a great sickness that was in some part of the world, in a city or in a region, and the person who may have medical background, let's say he's a doctor, has the cure available to alleviate the suffering and the death and the poverty that this disease has. Imagine if you were that person that had this antidote to be able to cure that severe illness that caused much death and destruction. And if you had that ability to go there to solve that problem or to bring them hope and show them how to live a different life, to bring them a message, not even a message of hope, but the solution. In a sense, if a person wouldn't do that, it says, I'm too busy, I, um, I feel more comfortable being in Jerusalem, I feel more comfortable being in the city that I am, I'm not willing to go out to, to bring this message to others. I'll just keep it to myself and then still witness the destruction that continues. This is kind of the, 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 the moral obligation that the Apostle Paul was feeling because he had the message of hope. He had the message of transformation, the gospel of Christ that he was a servant of, an ambassador he calls himself. 
to be able to go and impart that to not just the believers there, but all those that were living in Rome at the time and wherever he went. And I had to think, do we feel that same um, obligation, that same desire, that same passion to be able to bring this message to those who are struggling in so many ways, living a life apart, as the rest of Romans 1's described, living a life that um, is bound for destruction. Some of the fruit is evident long before the end of their life because they are not living according to the principles that are in the Scripture. And so he feels this great obligation, this passion to impart this message wherever he went. And of course, as those of us that are believers, we ought to feel that same passion, that same desire to minister to those that are under the sphere of our influence, the customers that we meet, the employees that we that we have, or the fellow co-workers, the neighbors. The, there's all kinds of people that are in our lives that will not have or may have never heard this message of the gospel. They may have some perverted version of it, some view that often is not ground properly grounded in the scripture, and that needs to be corrected, to be balanced, to be able to provide the whole counsel of scripture so that they would understand this message that has the power of God unto salvation. And so we come to verse 16 there, which says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And this was, uh, we had uh, two fathers share their testimonies every night, Friday night and last night. And uh, there was a common theme for the testimonies that were shared that were based on the, the power of God unto salvation. Very different backgrounds from these four brothers. Very different walks of life. But the common theme was their recognition that there was something more. The first brother talked about how he was made experience that he was supposed to die. He was not going to live, not expected to live. And he realized that he was not ready to meet God. And he was fearful of that. And rightly so. That is a a reason to fear, and was able to make right with God and experience the power of God unto salvation. For another, it was, as a young man, rebellious against the teachings of his mother and father, and as he grew up in church, living a life, living a lie, hiding behind his parents' back, doing all kinds of rebellious things. And it wasn't until it was reflected back to him by his father. One day that he suddenly saw how what life he was living. And through multiple experiences then came to the realization that he required the gospel of Christ and received the power of God unto salvation. For another, it was a brother who had to spend several years in prison and there was shamed many times. Shamed because of his beliefs. 
and came to him in this verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And so as he stood firm in the faith, as a result, there were consequences. Years were added to his sentence and there were, uh, there was abuse that occurred. And God spared him and was faithful to him to deliver him out of all of those things. One father testified of how he was not brought up in a Christian home. The first time he came to hear the gospel, or among the first times, I don't know if it was exactly the first time when he came here and heard the gospel, and over the course of a short amount of time, recognized that there, there was the power of God in these words of life. And he wanted to respond as a teenager. I believe he was maybe 17 years old, something of that nature, 17, 18 years old. And wanted to respond and, 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 and he looked around and he saw so many others that were his age and older. Those were even in their 20s who had been under the instruction of the word of God for years. Some from a child all the way up to that point. And he was, he couldn't believe that these Many of these people had not yet responded to the call of the gospel. They were not moved to call to that. And he wondered, how is that possible? And we briefly discussed how the rejection of the word of God causes our hearts to grow hard. And perhaps some of you are here this afternoon who have been brought up in a Christian home. Who have received teachings from when you were a child, both in Sunday school and in the home, and as you grew up into teenagers, and now you're beyond that. You've heard it so many times that it no longer makes an impact in your life. Or certainly not the same impact that it would have the call or the desire to respond to that message. And if you feel that way as you listen to the messages, as you read the word of God, and it doesn't have that impact in your life, you ought to be very afraid. Why is that? Because it means that there's a callousness that has developed over your heart. That the word of God, the eternal word of God, is not permeating through that Barrier that has grown over time. Now all hope is not lost. Thankfully, whenever there is life, there is hope. And the hope is that you would recognize the precarious situation that you are in. And that you would respond to the gospel of Christ. And experience the power of God unto salvation. Because it is, as the scripture says, it's available to everyone that believeth. That means there's no one that's left out. It is available to everyone that believeth. And then he goes on in the last verse we read together. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Those that desire to be righteous in the eyes of God, the scripture clearly says here and in many other places, that the just shall live by faith. Another way to say this, it is through faith that a righteous person has true life. 
But faith, faith in what? We have people have faith in all kinds of things. It's very clear here that the faith that is talking about is a faith in the good news of the message of salvation. Faith in the atoning work of Christ who died in our stead on the cross because of our sins that we committed to be able to save us out of those things that we don't have to be stuck in the chains of sins in all of its forms. And there are many different forms that it takes that in order to be justified, in order to experience righteousness that we have to put on the blood of Christ to be receive the atonement. The scripture uses the washing of the water by the word as an analogy that through the word and through this gospel message that in a sense it washes us clean because we cannot wash ourselves clean. We've probably made the experience where we had some uh, garment that we have that got some sort of a stain on it. And trying to wash that out just with, uh, with, uh, with regular, um, uh, 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 the regular approach doesn't, doesn't cut it. It requires a special approach. Sometimes it has to be taken to the dry cleaner or you can buy special, uh, um, chemicals to be able to permeate, permeate the material to be able to release the, 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 whatever the stain, the substance that caused the stain to be released that, to be able to wash it out. And this is the, the analogy that the scripture gives that it's only the blood of Christ that, that, that has the power, that has the ability, the special property to be able to permeate our lives and our souls to wash away the stain of that sin so that we may receive the power of God unto salvation. This time of the last several days, being able to spend that together with other fathers and other uh, sons, young men of all many ages, it's been a blessing. A blessing as we were able to reflect on uh, how God has worked through various lives. And of course, what I just shared to you, with you, uh, the, 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 the testimonies that were shared, those were the, um, what I'll say, the official testimonies that were shared around the campfire. But there was many other things that were shared in personal conversations between brothers and between, uh, uh, the sons and between friends and, and, uh, this kind of, um, Activity it doesn't have to take that form. There's many different forms, whether that happens in our own homes, whether that happens as uh, I understand some of the um, young ladies got together here at church and had their own time of being able to uh, uh, minister gifts one to another as some were being mentored in, in how to uh, uh, put together a, a dessert and being able to use that to bless others. Yet another great example of how the collective ability of the body of Christ can minister one to another. As it says, the mutual faith, both of you and me. Because it's not in the the, the, the power of that gathering. is not measured 
by the output in a sense uh, in the case for the young ladies that gathered together it's not measured in the desserts that were uh, made it, in, in the father-son camping trip, it wasn't measured by the meals that were created, though as, as, uh, as wonderful and creative as they were. It's not measured even necessarily in the activities that took place, but measured rather in the relational, relational dimension of the friendships that were rekindled, the exhortations that happened, the... The time of setting time apart from the various busyness aspects of life. And this takes place and should take place on a regular basis in its various forms. And God has given to each one of us the ability to participate in some form Some would be given the gift of administration to organize those things. Others are given the gift of knowledge to be able to contribute in some form. And others given the gift to initiate and have the ideas. And to follow through with the logistics. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be um, something that is... Uh, noteworthy that perhaps uh, many others would find out about, but in the quiet ways, in the quiet manner that God has gifted each one of us, may we look for opportunities to follow the example that we have in the Scripture to impart some spiritual gift to the end, or in other words, for the purpose of being established, being more firmly established, more firmly grounded in the gospel of Christ. And may we look, just thinking through, we also had a um, virtual OMEC meeting yesterday, the Ontario Ministers and Elders Conference, and uh, the brothers there had extended their greetings, and one of the, in the, in the opening devotion, uh, the brother shared about how we are to look unto Christ, who is our ultimate example, that through his perseverance was able to minister the spiritual gifts and bring about the gospel of Christ, which we have experienced to be the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen.